It's time to eat. What are you hungry for? Sit down and get ready to consume an abundance of fantasy football knowledge from Ross Tucker and Joe Dolan. Feed me now! I'm starving! On the Fantasy Feast Eating Podcast. Yeah, let's eat, baby. It is the Fantasy Feast Eating Podcast. And if you're looking for a place to make your online wagers, it's betonline.ag. They're your online sportsbook experts. Use the promo code PODCAST1. He is the star of the show. His name is Joe Dolan. He recently signed with Fantasy Points. He's part owner, and Fantasy Points has been dominating. You guys know, by the way, if you use the code FEAST, all caps, FEAST, you will get a special discount if you elect to buy a premium subscription. It's actually free for anyone to sign up right now. Joe, good to have you as always, my friend. How are things going at Fantasy Points so far? Uh, I'm doing well, Ross. We're doing well over at FantasyPoints.com. Like you said, the, the website, you know, because of what's going on in the world, quite frankly, right now, um, it, it, it's, it is free. You do not need to pay to use the website. You can check out everything for free. But if you do subscribe now, um, you know, we're, we're optimistic about the NFL season. I mean, look, there's no choice but to be at this point. Got to keep going business as usual. But if you choose to subscribe now, um, we will flip the switch at some point this summer. Uh, and then our original plan, which was going to be to launch exclusively as a premium paid website, uh, that'll be in effect. But if you pay now, I mean, we are offering – baseline that's without the that's without the promo code baseline 30 percent off what we're what we're planning to offer when we do flip the switch so there's an incentive to if you like what you see and you really want to be a part of this uh, for this upcoming season and going forward there's a really good incentive for you to sign up and uh and help us out help us get off the ground quite frankly you know it's not it, it, if you allow me to be a little sentimental here, it's not the best time in the world to be launching a business. We didn't decide, you know, like the, the, it wasn't our decision to go, hey, you know, we're in the middle of a global pandemic. Let's launch a website. You know, that wasn't our uh, that wasn't our intention, but um, it just so happened that that's when it fell. But if you want to help us get off the ground uh, and Ross, the response so far, if, if you allow me to just talk about it for a second, has been outrageous. Like, I, I mean, People are really excited about the website. They're excited about Greg Cosell's draft guide, which is continually being updated. They're excited about the team we have over at Fantasy Points, and you know they are helping us get off the ground. So there is there is a lot of uh, there's a lot of uh, really good people out there who are helping us out, and we hope we're going to entertain you right now. You know, help you get your mind off some things. Yeah, and what's cool, like I said, if you use the code Feast. All caps, you get an additional discount. And if you use the code FEAST, all caps, and send it to me, Ross at RossTucker.com, you can enter to be in one of our three best ball drafts that Joe and I are going to do with best ball tens with you guys. We'll do one at the end of May. We'll do one at the end of June. We'll do one at the end of July. This week, we've got three winners, Joe. So we'll do three this week, probably three next week on the 21st, and maybe the final four on the 28th, and then we'll figure out a time to start that draft up. But today's three winners, Brendan Cotman, 
Megan Nussbaum, and Austin Barley. So congratulations, Brendan, Megan, and Austin. I should probably tell you all, my name's Ross Tucker, a former NFL player, five teams, seven years. Now I think I got five podcasts that I do over seven days. So nice and symmetrical. Joe mentioned Greg Cosell. We are going to continue our Cosell's Concepts Tomorrow on the Ross Tucker Football Podcast, you can hear our week one bets. It was glorious with Steve Fezzik yesterday on the Even Money Podcast. Andrew Brandt with some interesting comments about maybe even the NFL decreasing the salary cap this year so that the decrease next year isn't as bad. Joe, we need to finish up uh, the rookie draft and what it means in terms of a fantasy impact, whether it's best ball drafts or dynasty, season long, whatever. A couple weeks ago, we did the quarterbacks. Last week, we did the wide receivers. Today, we will do the rookie running backs, and we will start with Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, the only rookie running back who landed in round one. Yeah, um, um, I thought there was a chance that uh, multiple guys would go in round one just at the back end of the round. But, you know, the Chiefs, I think, surprised people a little bit by making Edwards Alaire the first running back off the board. But if you if you listen to them talk about him after the draft, it probably shouldn't be all that surprising. Everybody knows right now that apparently Andy Reid went to his general manager, Brett Veach, who was also with Andy when he was in Philadelphia and compared Edwards Alaire stylistically to Brian Westbrook. And he told Brett Veach that he thought he was a better prospect. And that kind of bears out. This is the first time an Andy Reid coached football team has drafted a running back in the first round. And remember, Andy's been coaching, being a, he's been a head coach since 1999. This is the first time one of his teams has drafted a running back in the first round. Uh, so that just goes to show you, especially given you know the discussion about the value of the running back position, that especially tells you what the Chiefs thought of this player. So that is that's phenomenal news for Edward Zolaire's fantasy uh, outlook. The the implications of this for fantasy. Um, he's a great receiver. I think that's a number one for the Kansas City Chiefs. The Kansas City Chiefs. Andy Reid's always been pass heavy. He, he, Patrick Mahomes gives him the reason to be more pass heavy than he's ever been. But Clyde Edwards Zolaire is a fantastic receiver. Andy Reid has always gotten great production out of the running back position, dating back to Deuce Staley, his first couple of years in Philadelphia, then Brian Westbrook, LaShawn McCoy, Jamal Charles, Kareem Hunt, uh, the flashes we saw out of Damian Williams, even some Spencer Ware in his time in, in Kansas City. The running back position produces in Andy Reid's offense. He is fantasy friendly at that spot. Now, of course, they're going to say, well, Damian Williams is going to be involved here, you know, and, and he might be. But you have to look at the facts. You look at the facts that Kansas City made a luxury pick. Damian Williams arguably could have been the Super Bowl MVP, and they still drafted Edwards Lair in the first round. This is a luxury pick for a team that is loaded. The Chiefs probably didn't even need him, uh, and they still drafted him. You can argue all you want about the value of this draft pick, but I think it's fantastic news for uh, for fantasy value. Now, take listen to this. Over the last two seasons, Damian Williams has played 60% or more of the Chiefs' snaps in 11 games. In those 11 games, he's averaged 25 fantasy points per game. For context, 
Christian McCaffrey averaged 29.5 in his ridiculous 2019 season. So Dane Williams, if you extrapolated that over the full uh, a full 16 games condensed into one year, he would have been the RB2. And they drafted Clyde Edwards-Alaire to be their starting running back. The Chiefs understand running back value. They also understand good football players. And Edwards-Alaire is a good football player. I think he starts right away. I am willing to take him as early as the second round in redraft leagues, and he is the number one overall pick in rookie dynasty drafts. Let's move on to the next back off the board, and that was DeAndre Swift to the Lions to pair with Carrion Johnson. Yeah, this one, not so great a landing spot for fantasy. Now, and then this is this is a good exercise to remember how important landing spot is. Because if the Chiefs made DeAndre Swift their pick at 32nd overall, and Clyde Edwards-Alaire went to the Lions at 35th overall, you might I might flip them on my dynasty ranks. I currently have Edwards-Alaire 1 and Swift 5 at running back. It might be Swift 1 and Edwards-Alaire 5 if, if these if these uh, landing spots switched. So it looks pretty evident that Matt Patricia and Bob Quinn want to have an, a running back committee. You remember even when Carrion Johnson was a rookie and he was playing really well, they kept rotating him with Garrett Blunt, who was doing absolutely nothing. And then Carrion Johnson came out and looked like a plotter in his second year. Now, I think DeAndre Swift's the most talented uh, running back here. Um, I think Greg Cosell on this very podcast compared him to Dalvin Cook. Um, he's playing behind a, just an okay offensive line. They seem to really want to rotate him. I love him as a prospect, but I think for fantasy, he's kind of a boomer bust pick this year. Maybe things change. Maybe Carrion Johnson can't stay healthy again. Maybe in 2021, the Lions make a coaching staff change and DeAndre Swift becomes a 1,300 yard back who can add you five, 600 yards receiving. Maybe that happens. I don't think that's in the cards this year. Aggressive fantasy players might start considering him around the seventh or eighth round in redraft leagues. Um, and he's still kind of a first half of the first round in rookie dynasty drafts, but the landing spot is certainly not pristine here for DeAndre Swift. Up next, Jonathan Taylor to the Colts. Curious to get your thoughts on this one. Yeah, I'm not going to overthink this. Uh, I'm going to look at the positives here. Um, when when we don't have anything else to talk about but the NFL draft and we're doing uh, our best ball drafts or our high-stakes drafts at this point, you might be able to kind of twist yourself into a pretzel rationalizing for or rationalizing against certain players. And I think Jonathan Taylor is one of them because if you look at the facts, Marlon Mack has gained 1,999 rushing yards over the last two seasons, essentially 1,000 yards a year. Naeem Hines has caught 107 passes over the last two seasons. So if you look at the baseline numbers, running back didn't seem to be a serious need for the Colts, especially if you buy into the fact that the running back position is more a product of the offensive line than of the than of the player's talent itself because, because this is a great offensive line, arguably the best in the entire NFL. But then you look at the fact that the Colts traded up for Jonathan Taylor. They traded up for him. They traded in front of Jacksonville, which seems to say to me that they feared Jacksonville, who was trying to replace Leonard Fournette this offseason, wanted Jonathan Taylor. He's a, Jonathan Taylor is a great prospect. I mean, just a, an, he tested out of the building in Indianapolis at the Combine. 
kind of funny that that's, that happened, and then the Colts drafted him. And now he's playing behind Phillip Rivers, behind a great offensive line. Phillip Rivers is not somebody you want dropping back 40 to 45 times a game right now. I think he needs a sustaining run game behind them. He will get that with Jonathan Taylor, who, by the way, arguably could be the most underrated receiver at his position in this class as well. The, the offensive line is great. Taylor's a big back. He's got outrageous athleticism. I don't think the Colts drafted Jonathan Taylor to give him five to eight carries. I don't think they drafted Jonathan Taylor to rotate him in a three-man backfield with Marlon Mack and Naeem Hines. That doesn't mean those guys aren't going to get some snaps here and there. But I think it would be a, a just a horrific misuse of resources and a horrific misuse of Taylor's skill set if the Colts pegged him as a rotational back. I think he's the one-two in rookie drafts, and I think he can go off the board as early as the third round in redrafts. I think right away he is their lead back, and I expect him to get 15 or more carries per game. Cam Akers to the Rams. Interesting. Ahead of guys like J.K. Dobbins, they wanted Cam Akers to the Rams in part to replace Todd Gurley. Well, there's a couple schools of thought here. Do the Rams know how to value the running back position? And many would argue that they don't because of the contract they gave to Todd Gurley and then the fact that they spent a third-round pick last year on Daryl Henderson and then um, spent a second-round pick this year on Cam Akers. My other, uh, my other point here is, uh, and the other school of thought is, how much do they not like Daryl Henderson? Because the guy was a third-round pick last year. They traded up to get him. And then he didn't even play 100 offensive snaps last year. And then they come out and spend a second-round pick on a running back, arguably a position they, they don't need with Henderson and Malcolm Brown there. Th what this says to me is I think Cam Akers at some point is going to be the Rams' lead back this year. Um, the thing about Henderson is there, was, there were reports that he struggled to pick up the Rams' offense, Sean McVay's offense. I don't think I, I think the Rams probably liked what they saw from Cam Akers in that regard. He was a high school quarterback. Um, Greg Cosell on, on the Ross Tucker football podcast said he really saw Akers understanding of fronts and how it contributed to his vision as a runner. And you wonder if that dates back to his experience as a high school quarterback reading defenses. So I think the Rams liked Cam Akers cerebral style of play, especially if that was an area where Daryl Henderson struggled. Um, and by the way, uh, Florida State had a horrible offensive line. They haven't had a good offensive line in years. And the Rams had a horrible offensive line last year, 31st per, per pro football focus. So I think the, the Rams really like Cam Akers, the way he ran behind that bad Florida State offensive line. They think that can translate uh, to the L.A. Rams. So it's a nasty backfield for fantasy purposes because – I mean, frankly, we still don't know anything about Daryl Henderson. He barely played last year. Do they still have him in their plans? Malcolm Brown is still there. They kind of like him. He's a coach's favorite. But Akers traits, including his receiving ability, kind of make him my favorite back here. I think he's kind of a sixth, seventh round pick in redraft. Um, but there's league winning upside there. It's just the fact that you're going to have to navigate a really swampy backfield. Um, at least in the early part of the season, if you want to invest in Cam Akers. Next up, still in the second round, we've got J.K. Dobbins to the Baltimore Ravens. Another one I'm curious to hear your thoughts on. Yeah, like I mean, talk about just 
the most pristine landing spot you can possibly get. Um, there, were, there were some who thought um, Miami was enamored with Dobbins, and uh, apparently that might have been a smokescreen because Miami passed on him a couple times. But there were some thoughts uh, leading up to the draft that Miami was considering drafting Dobbins in the first round with one of its three first-round picks, probably the final of those three didn't happen and then Baltimore decided we have got to pull the trigger on this player because he's a great football player he's a one cut downhill runner he's a great fit for this Raven offense that that's based on um that's based on the run game around Lamar Jackson um in in Lamar Jackson's 22 career starts all running backs that's any running back averages 5.09 yards per carry all of them. That's ridiculous. For context, uh, of, of running backs with 150 or more carries last season, Devin Singletary led all qualifiers with 5.13 yards per carry. So basically, running behind Lamar Jackson is is uh, is a guarantee that you're going to be in the mix for the yards per carry title. So this is a great fit for J.K. Dobbins. The, the, the bad news for fantasy is Mark Ingram was really effective last year. They still have Gus Edwards. They still have Justice Hill here. So this is a guy who I look at it and think, all right, I view Dobbins with this landing situation as an absolute perfect landing spot. But the question becomes for fantasy this season alone, is he going to be kind of useless in the first half of the season? and then really useful in the second half of the year? Is he going to be useless for fantasy all year long? Is he going to be very useful? Is he going to be so good early on that they're going to bench Mark Ingram for him? I don't know if, if any of those things are true. But the one thing that I look at here, and by the way, I think you can make the argument Dobbins or Jonathan Taylor should be the second pick in rookie drafts uh, just because of his long-term outlook. But for fantasy this year, I wonder if Dobbins is going to be more like Nick Chubb two years ago and Miles Sanders last season, where they really weren't very useful for fantasy purposes, but then ended up becoming league winners down the stretch, especially Miles Sanders. Ross, you remember how well he produced down the stretch this year. I wonder if Dobbins is going to have to be a player like that, that you have to sit on and wait for him to marinate. Um, so he can, so he becomes uh, the 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 Raven starter. But if he sees the field in in a capacity where he's getting 15 carries a game at some point, the guy's going to be a top 12 running back. It's just a question of if and when that opportunity comes this year. Last one in the second round, Joe, is AJ Dillon, who the Packers somewhat surprisingly took out of Boston College at the end of round two. Well, the Jordan Love pick. You know, that pissed Packers fans off. Um, but Aaron Rodgers is older, his play slipping. Dylan might be the pick that really got him going. Because if Packer fans are looking at their team, they're like, you know, we need weapons around Aaron Rodgers. We we need to help him out. If this is the, his last year or two in Green Bay, we need to help him out. And then if you look at the Packers roster, you can make the argument the strongest position on the team last year was the running back position. Aaron Jones scored 19 touchdowns that led the NFL. Jamal Williams is a solid number two back. And the Packers fans are sitting here thinking, this historic wide receiver draft, we still have good players on the board at this point. You know, we, we still have Brian Edwards on the board. Antonio Gandy-Golden's on the board. Devin Duvernay's on the board. And we're drafting a running back in the second round. This one really got Packer fans going. Um, 
but if I'm trying to rationalize the pick, if I'm trying to get into the mindset of Matt LaFleur um, and Brian Gutenkunst, the, the general manager there, I think LaFleur saw Derrick Henry and A.J. Dillon, at least on some level. You know, six foot, 247 pounds. Not many running backs are built like that. Not many linebackers these days are built like that. Um, he ran a 4-5-3-40 at the combine and jumped out of the building. So you see a lot of explosiveness in A.J. Dillon, at least in terms of his measurables. And um, I, I think Matt LaFour, remember, he was in Tennessee. He was the play caller in Tennessee when Tennessee, during the 2018 NFL season, decided to switch from a dual backfield approach with Deion Lewis and Derrick Henry in the first half of the season to essentially benching Deion Lewis and letting Derrick Henry just basically run the offense. He was the foundation of the offense. And the Tennessee Titans have taken off since that point, riding that all the way to the AFC Championship game in 2019. I mean, you look at Occam's razor in these situations. A.J. Dillon reminded, uh, reminded Matt LaFleur of Derrick Henry. I don't think he's as explosive as Derrick Henry. I don't think he's as good of a prospect as Derrick Henry was coming out. But this is a pure philosophy change pick. They, the Packers think they want to run the football and they want to run it well. They want to run it consistently. Now the question becomes, how many snaps does Dylan play as a rookie? I don't think Aaron Jones is coming off the field. The guy, the guy had 19 touchdowns last year. So does A.J. Dillon supersede Jamal Williams? Is he somebody who's just going to sit and, and learn and rest while Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams, who are on the final years of their contracts, run this backfield? I, I'm really struggling to find the snaps that are going to make Dylan particularly fantasy relevant. And if he's a rotational back, I actually think that's a misuse of him in the same way it was a misuse of Derrick Henry. So if A.J. Dillon's getting 9 to 10 carries per game, he's just not going to produce for fantasy this year. I think he needs to be the hammer RB1, and I don't see those snaps for him this year. The question becomes, do the Packers let both Jones and Williams walk after this season? And then A.J. Dillon's the foundation back. I, I think there's too many questions right now to really get a great projection of A.J. Dillon as we head into the 2020 season. The third-round picks... Joe, were Keyshawn Vaughn to the Bucks, Zach Moss to the Bills, and Darrington Evans to the Titans. Which of those are most relevant to you, or do you think all three merit a discussion? Well, the, the I think all three merit at least some comment. Keyshawn Vaughn's the most relevant of them, though. Um, he he's a third round pick, seventy sixth overall. We thought the Bucks could be a team that would dabble in the second round at the running back position. I think the only thing that kind of surprised me a little bit was Bruce Arians came out this offseason and mentioned that he really thought the Bucks needed to get a pass-catching running back. So you're thinking, oh man, DeAndre Swift, Clyde Edwards-Alaire, Cam Akers, these guys would be great fits there. I don't think anybody really thought of Keyshawn Vaughn as a great receiving running back coming out. I think it's an underrated aspect of his game. Um, I think he can run screens. Um, they think, by the way, they, they flat out admitted that they thought he was an underrated receiver, but it wasn't really the big part of his game at Vanderbilt. Um, if you look at Vaughn on the surface, he actually was kind of a similar prospect to Ronald Jones, a better prospect than Jones. I did not like Jones coming out of USC. Um, I thought he was a better prospect, but similar, kind of that, 
straight line, one cut downhill type of guy. Um, so I, I, is he obviously above Ronald Jones on the depth chart? I guess he can't say that for sure. Um, how good will the Bucks defense be? Is he going to be able to get 15 carries per game? And the other thing that you need to point out is they talked about um, the fact that they needed a receiving back. Well, they drafted more of a, a, a jitterbug type of back, Raymond Calais, in the seventh round out of uh, Louisiana Lafayette, I believe. So where does he fit into the equation? Hopefully we're going to have some sort of an offseason program to watch this. But Keyshawn Vaughn right now is typically, typically – going off the board as the third or fourth running back in, in um, redraft leagues, certainly behind Edwards Alaire and Jonathan Taylor. And he's kind of in the mix there with J.K. Dobbins. I think a lot of people think Vaughn has an easier path to relevance than J.K. Dobbins has, at least right away. I think this could be a league-winning back. But I also view Keyshawn Vaughn as somebody who gets 110 carries, and at the end of the year we're like, man, I can't believe he was going in the sixth round. So I'm in on Keyshawn Vaughn. I think he's the most relevant of the three third-round picks, um, but there are still some questions for Keyshawn Vaughn. So hopefully we get some sort of off-season program to answer those questions. For Zach Moss, I think there's a, a there's a clear path to 150 carries for him as a rookie. Um, he's going to play the Frank Gore role. You know, Brandon Bean went on SiriusXM NFL Radio and said, "Yeah, we." We, we think he's going to be Frank Gore in this offense. Well, Frank Gore had 179 touches last year. The problem for Zach Moss is, um, as, it, as it is a problem for Devin Singletary, um, they're going to feed off, eat off of each other's touches. And then Josh Allen has 17 rushing touchdowns the last two seasons. So there's not a lot of touchdown upside for Zach Moss here. So he's more of a 10th, 11th round type of pick and a second round rookie dynasty pick. And then Darrington Evans, Ross, you mentioned him. Uh, Tennessee took him 93rd overall in the third round. Fascinating, utterly fascinating. You know, I, I plugged at the top of the of the show Greg Cosell's draft guide up at fantasypoints.com. Well, he watched Evans coming out of Appalachian State. He watched him um, early in the process before the draft, and he said Darrington Evans um, fits the profile of a running back who's going to be best in an outside wide zone run game. Hey, Ross, do you know who runs outside zone better than any team in professional football? <laughs> Titans. The Tennessee Titans. It's the foundation of their run game. So Evans is not Derrick Henry, okay? Few people are. 6'3", 250-pound running backs do not grow on trees. As a matter of fact, they are the tree. I, I mean, they're not built like that. Darrington Evans is like 5'10", 210, somewhere around there. But he's an outside zone running back. He's a good receiver who can probably give Henry a breather here and there. And if Henry were to go down, Darrington Evans, frankly, for fantasy, is instantly, instantly one of the top three or four handcuffs in all of fantasy football because of the way he fits into this scheme. So this is a we, – we typically don't see teams invest third-round picks to protect an investment in their run game. Typically, a third-round pick at the running back position is a premium pick. You know, we view these picks as, as as players who should come in and start. Now, maybe they view that as Evans' game down the road because Derrick Henry is only playing on the franchise tag this year. There, there's thoughts. There's, there's assumptions that they want to work out a long-term deal, but that might not happen. You know, you, guys get hurt at the running back position. So maybe Darrington Evans has a role down the line. But for right now, this is the Tennessee Titans saying – 
the foundation of our entire offense is the outside zone run game. If Derrick Henry gets hurt, we are screwed. So if Derrick Henry has to miss a couple of games, remember he was dinged up at the end of last season. Um, if he has to miss a couple of games, Darrington Evans is going to keep them on schedule. And if Derrick Henry is out for, let's say, three weeks, Darrington Evans is going to be projected as a top 12 running back for however long Derrick Henry is out because of the nature of the Titans offense. They are still going to run the ball if Derrick Henry is hurt or not. That's why Darrington Evans was an important pick for them. For immediate fantasy value, though, it's just not going to happen. He needs Derrick Henry to be be hurt for that. All right, Joe. I'm going to give you some names. You get to talk about one of these guys, so you have to choose wisely. Joshua Kelly with the Chargers, LaMichael P. Ryan with the Jets, Anthony McFarland with the Steelers, DJ Dallas in Seattle, Jason Huntley with the Lions. That's it. You get you get to talk about one of those guys. It's your choice. Ladies choice. Okay. So, I am going to I'm going to I'm going to talk about the guy I have ranked highest for dynasty, even though I have thoughts on all of those guys. The guy I have ranked highest for dynasty is Anthony McFarland. And it's fascinating because you can read into this pick from from different perspectives. If you believe in James Conner, all McFarland is is a fourth-round pick. He profiles as a change-of-pace type player, and it's a good sign the Steelers didn't invest an earlier pick in a running back. They J.K. Dobbins was on the board in the second round when they took Chase Claypool. So you could say, hey, look, they didn't take Dobbins, even though the fans might have wanted Dobbins or Cam Akers there. Um, they, they believe in James Conner. However, if you think the Steelers don't trust James Conner, you can view McFarland's skill set as very intriguing. And as, and you can see say he profiles as someone who could pair nicely with Benny Snell in a thunder and lightning backfield. The truth is probably somewhere in between. But Anthony McFarland, if this guy could, came out um, after his uh, freshman season, his redshirt freshman season in 2018, if he could have come out, Maybe he gets drafted higher than this. He had a spectacular first year at Maryland. Um, he ran for 298 yards and on 21 carries against Ohio State that year. But his 2019 tape um, reports where he played through a high ankle sprain. Um, so things weren't as impressive. He's undersized, but he's a really hard-charging, kind of downhill, aggressive runner. He reminded me in that mold of like a Philip Lindsay uh, or a Matt Breida type of runner. And I think that pairs well with with a grinder, whether that's Connor or Benny Snell in Pittsburgh. Um, he only caught 24 passes in college, but I think that's an that was an underutilized part of his game. I think his straight line speed could make him very effective on screen routes and wheel routes. Um, I think that should become a bigger part of his game. Um, in terms of redraft leagues, I think he. Uh, he's worth a shot around the 10th round because I do think there's a chance he leads this Pittsburgh offense in production out of the backfield. I really do. And, and But if James Conner stays healthy, there's a chance McFarland barely plays. So that's where, where you take in that 10th, 11th round. I think he's a second round rookie dynasty pick. But if Ben Roethlisberger is healthy, that is a huge if. But if Ben Roethlisberger is healthy, this is going to be a good offense. And I'll invest in a back who's got a chance in a really good offense. Such good stuff. I mean, Joe is like Evan was. He's like an encyclopedia with these guys. It is unbelievably impressive to hear him talk about each and every one of these guys and get you guys ready for your fantasy drafts, including 
maybe against us. In the best ball draft, you just got to make sure you sign up at fantasypoints.com, put in the code FEAST, or really, you can sign up for any of our sponsors, too, if you want to double dip and send it to me. The sponsors are on the sponsor page at rostucker.com, such as Bet Online. We used the Bet Online odds yesterday, did Steve Fezzik and I on the Even Money podcast, and we made our preliminary week one bets, which I think you guys will really, really enjoy. That is betonline.ag. The promo code is podcast one, and you will be able to go ahead and listen to our week one bets and make them, if you'd like, on the Even Money podcast. Listen to that, then go to BetOnline. They are your online sportsbook experts. Tomorrow, we will have the GOAT, Greg Cosell, on the Ross Tucker Football Podcast. Little Cosell's Concepts. How do you defend the RPO? Among other things, I'm going to dive into with Greg tomorrow. Really looking forward to it. Other than that, I'm totally, totally stuffed. We're done. Thanks for listening to the Fantasy Feast podcast. Make sure to also subscribe to the Ross Tucker Football Podcast, Even Money, Business of Sports, and the College Draft. All available at Apple Podcasts, RossTucker.com, or wherever podcasts can be found.